This is Akafe. Laura Marie and Jessica Marie proudly present A Court of Fandoms and Exploration, a podcast. Fair warning, everything the hosts say is explicit, full of spoilers and adult content and shall not be used against them. They have opinions. Let's try not to drag anyone for expressing themselves and just have fun for an hour. We all deserve it. This episode mentions Crescent City, Throne of Glass, Shadowhunters, and the Grishaverse. For full list, please see show notes. There are also discussions surrounding sexual assault and loss of family. everybody and welcome to a court of fandoms and exploration your weekly deep dive into the ya literature and fandoms that we love i'm laura marie and i'm jessica marie and today we are discussing the hunter and the heart this is the prequel to the cursed kingdom series by our good friend diana ortega and we received this copy as an ARC. Thank you, Deanna. And we just have been enjoying the Cursed Kingdom series so much that we didn't want to just give it a review on Goodreads and like where we typically like write, do our little write-ups. We wanted to make sure we got a full episode out of it. So thank you again for our ARC, Deanna. And as always, just because we love Deanna and we love this series so far does not mean that we'll color our review. We will be honest here. Yeah. So let's kick that off off. More of a discussion, if anything, not really a review. Exactly. Exactly. So let's let's discuss. And I think a good way to start would be, Jess, do you know the meme that is like me trying to comprehend the first 100 pages of a fantasy book and yes. it's just and it's it's just that okay i have i have a confession for you and all of our listeners uh, i did the standard 2.5 that i do for my read on this book i needed that second read because i finished the first read and i didn't know what was going on I didn't know what was going on. And I have a second part to this confession. And that is that I was distracted the first time that I read this. I did not give it the attention that it needed because I was with my mother. And, you know, we know how that goes. Only child, only grandchild, only niece. So it was it was difficult to give this my full attention. However, the second reread cemented the fact that I am not a smart person. No, that's not the case. You're the smartest person I know because I'm going to be looking to you this episode with your 2.5 reads. I only managed to get one read in. Um, we love that for me. And no, but I do understand where it's coming from. Um, do you feel like, okay, I guess we knew this was going to be a, cre- a prequel. Did you have a certain expectation with the book thinking by prequel, you thought it was going to be further in the past from when the curses were established? Or were you expecting it to only be like three years prior? Because that's what this, that's where it takes place. So a lot of, we're familiar with some of the characters already. I think you hit the nail on the head, Jess. Uh, I was expecting, and of course, this is just me. This is me and my expectations, which were wrong and, and, they were wrong. Uh, I was expecting a prequel to be like, we're getting the curses. We're getting laid out with the curses. We are in it with Talus. We are in it with the the queens. Like, we're understanding. 
I was expecting the five POVs to be like the Queens and like Talis and like one of the, one of the guards or something. That's what I was expecting. So, so to not have that, to have the three years and to have these characters, a lot of them, which we already knew, not only threw me off because of my incorrect expectations that had absolutely nothing to do with the book, but it made me spend the distracted first read that I did of this trying to piece all of these people into the first two books. And and doing that just broke my fucking brain. No, I agree with you. And, I, and again, this is not a testament to Deanna. This is just like our preconceived notions and our assumptions going into it so then once you know you open the first page you're like oh wait re let me try to scratch everything that i had previously had in my head and how i'm going to go into this to okay well how how do i readjust because now you have to you really do kind of have to re-alter how, how the approach is going to be because you're in the same world you're in the same timeline you're and at first, for me personally, I was like, okay, well, let me think of it as a, um, like the Grisha verse, how we have the first three books. And then, you know, you have a couple years later, kind of, you know, we know of the Sum Summoner, but that's not, you know, it's just kind of like in the background. So I kind of tried to adjust like that, or even with Bridgerton, where you have good, sh uh, Queen Charlotte now, where it is kind of a prequel. And then when we were here at first, you're like, you hear of Liam and you're like, okay, he's there. You hear of Blair, he's there. And then when they're actually at the forefront of everything, Lex too, I was like, oh, wait, I have to shift again. I have to recalibrate everything that, again, this is not to Deanna. This is my own mind <laughs> and assumptions that we've we've had to kind of recalibrate and how, which probably also took us a minute to a little bit longer than we typically read. Absolutely. Absolutely. And of course, um, and she's a big book too. She's a big book. She's a big book. And of course, um, you know, f we tend to prefer audio. So, um, the, the sit down to, to really take the time to read this was beneficial and also a little bit challenging. I'll say it. It was a little bit challenging to find the time, but we did and we are here. So let's, let's bang this out, right? Uh, let's start. Um, cold open with a play. How do we like these? I thought the play was fun. It's super fun. So knowing what we know, we have to assume that this play is the play that is the old lady advisor who's in love with Blair is finally making the play and knowing that Blair is like the narrator makes it all just a little bit more fun and funny. Oh my god, and you, I love that you can, I love that Blair thinks so highly of himself, as he should, as he should. And even when he, like, when he breaks the narrator character into his character, it's, again, it's so fun and it's, it reads that way too. You're like, cause it could be, it could be read as, as if it was written for the narrator to say all these things, but knowing that it's Blair, you're like, Oh, Blair. No wonder. No wonder, Janice. I was smitten with you. Liam, too. He is 
very wonderful. He's like, why aren't they indecent? What if they were indecent? Just it's, it's, it's good. It's good. But the play opens as before Talos, King of Fairy. Good reminder. I forgot who Talos was. Uh, there were fates. They created life. And then we have, how did you pronounce this? Uh, Hashe? Hashe? Yeah, Hashe. I think I was reading it really fast the first time and then I, I, I looked at it like Hecate and I was like, no. And she created life, color, skies, mountains, communication, all of these things. So this is our, our first, uh, kind of thing. So we get more, um, story about Talis and Hashe and everything that's going on through these, uh, plays, which are before each of the parts. So very interesting. They give us a little bit of context. And then we have our first five chapters, which are our only POVs. Yes. I mean, and I guess, yeah, and our only POVs, but there's a lot of characters. So like our, and I guess just because they're the five POVs, would you consider them all main characters? Because we didn't, we haven't really done a character breakdown, but there, there are so many. So we have the five POVs. We have Kiara, Coda, Callista, Lux, Alina. But then we also have a lot of other characters that are reappearing. You have Liam, you have Blair, we have a new, we have a new character, Twill, um, Emmett, Sage, Princess Tavia. You have Oliver and Olivia are back. Um, you also have Princess Gemma. We see Jane again. We see Driata. Um, you, I said Lux, but we have somebody from Lux's past who hasn't really been in the present, Ginger, who's also known as Faelene. Um, we have Faelene's dad, who's also somebody that works for, uh, who Lux works for, uh, Tristan, Trixton. You also have Balthazar is back. I mean, it's a full cast. It's a full cast. So even though we have five POVs, like you said, they're not necessarily the main characters because so much is happening. And sometimes in the POV, that person isn't the main character in their own POV. I swear. I swear. Sometimes it's like, whoa, okay, Coda. Okay. Okay. All right. Um, But we'll we'll get there. We'll get there. Uh, Soul fragments. I think it's important to uh, kind of sketch out the plot before we get into this. Uh, There are soul fragments from Blair and Coda out in the world because of the curse that Talis put on Blair and Coda's mother, Nixus. Okay. And everybody is aware of those soul fragments Except for Jane. (laughs) And Jane is involved because she is Blair's soulmate. Liam is Blair's soul fragment. Mm -hmm. Kiara is Coda's soul fragment. The fragmentation happened before this story. So everyone is dealing with a lot of fucking baggage before we even start this story. And baggage that was bestowed upon them just because of the curses that Talus enacted with the queens. Like, that's it. Like, they're just, like, collateral damage right now. Yes. And Curtis. Jane's dad. Yeah. Jane's dad interfered with his curse with Elise. 
And that meddling ricocheted throughout the land and it is fucking up everything. Please tell me, is that to you, Jess, the basis of this plot? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Like, because at the end of this, I still don't feel like I, we know more about the curses, but there's yes. still, it's almost just like more behind the scene detail because like, you're like, oh, yes, like my my whole Kindle is just like highlighted, highlighted, highlighted with like, this is curse, this is curse. Then here's another story of the poem with the queens. And, you know, to know, like, we know that Curtis has the the reincarnation with Elise, which we know is, you know, there was a lot of that in my notes to remind myself, don't forget that Elise is her mom and Jay, like, the connections you have to like is constantly be like, I had to constantly remind myself of where those connections were. Yes. And the connection with Kiera is I have like little facts, little facts. Kiera first chapter. She's late for her work call. She is on a mission from the advisors. She has two missions. The advisors from Caldaro want her as a general of Caldaro to go to Lunasa and kill Balthazar. Yep. But they don't know that she knows that Balthazar cannot be killed because in order for Balthazar to be killed, Liam needs to be killed. And Liam can't be killed because, or like Jane has to die in order for Liam to die. No. Wait, I'm <laughs> Liam can't die because he has to be killed only by Jane. But only by Jane. Okay, which is what we know from Shadows and Lies, yes. And the blood oath connecting Balthazar and Liam is double, like another connection. Mm-hmm. So Blair, King Blair, love him, sends Kiera with a secondary mission, and that is disregard the advisor's mission and kill Jane. Because let's keep Liam in our life and let's uh, destroy fate. Let's fuck everything up and let's um, kill Liam so or kill Jane so that Liam can live a full life and maybe we can thwart something of this curse. But how? Okay, so I'm, I know we're going to jump around. But like, poor Blair, right? He's like, I need you to kill my soulmate. Because mm-hmm. this is where we know, because before, like, and here's the, also, this is, this is like, who, okay, this is like, there were parts there I was reading this, where, you know, where you had me read all of the infernal device, I'm sorry, all of, uh, but, uh, the immortal instruments, and then you had me go into the infernal devices, and I started, pre- uh, Clockwork Angel, and I just started crying because I knew that Will, we were, you know, we came, we were in the future, and then we came to the, the past, so I knew that, oh, sorry, tons of Shadow Under spoilers here, um, that Will was like, oh my gosh, if we're in the 1800s and we were just into the 2000s, that means that, like, chronologically, he's not going to exist forever. So there were parts in this book where I was like, oh my God, we haven't met these people. Oh my God, we haven't met them in book one or two. Does that mean by the end of this book that X, Y, and Z doesn't exist? I That that threw me. That was like definitely in the back of my mind as I was reading this because like we said, Blair's already like, she's my soulmate. But then we're like, you, you piece it together and you're like, wait, 
but we know she's alive in books one and two. So some, so some missions aren't being successful here yet. <laughs> so then it was just like, like piecing it together. Exactly. Just piecing it together. And the piecing it together was the part that really like took me a long time in the first reread. But, you know, we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. Uh, Kiara still, she has knee pain from a battle. We'll talk about it, Coda. And uh, uh, <laughs> Kiara's chapter basically is her just uh, trying to get to a work call so that she can get into the palace and become you know, a worker to get close to Balthazar and Jane. And Balthazar actually sees her in a fight and hires her on the spot. So hooray. Uh, moving on to Coda. Coda, I am so conflicted with Coda. I can't stand his chapters because of the way he's just panting over Callista, who tells him over and over again to leave her the fuck alone. But also, she enjoys that attention. And uh, that's real. That's some real shit. He's a lovesick puppy over her. But Callista also knows the bigger picture. We know, you know, we love a, a bigger picture girly um, because she does that a lot here. She does it at the end of the book where she's like, don't you fucking dare. Or she understands the whole unrequited love. Like she's telling him no, not because she doesn't love him. It's because she knows like fates are involved and she knows that. There's somebody else for him and she's been given the name. She's seen the person. She knows everything and she can't tell him this. And so she's definitely like, you know what? Like, and what do they say? The timeline. She's like, she turned him away 75 years ago. And because of like magic and Faye and all, all the stuff that that's their background. Um, they live for a very long time. Um, she's not, um, like, she just understands that she has to kind of like push it down and push him away. And he's like, I'll give up my powers. I'll give up my title. Please just have me like that'll get rid of the curse. And she's like, no, you're a fucking idiot. And then he's like, she doesn't think I'm worthy because I don't have a title. No, that's not what any of this is. No, it's not. It's not. And he and and Coda kind of admits that he's like toxic because when he's talking to Blair in this like intro chapter, he's like, you know, Blair, that's why you need to be king, because I would give up fucking everything for Callista, like anything. You know, she she is my soulmate. She is everything. So like Coda's insistence on defying fate and an insistence that he knows he knows more then fate, he knows that Callista is his mate, drove me fucking nuts every single time I saw his name. Meanwhile, you have Blair here actually knowing that Jane is his mate. And he's like, I, I, like, you know, especially with the Blair that we have learned to grow, learn to know and love. Um, this is a hard decision he's had to make like three years ago. And I mean, obviously, that hasn't, you know happen because we're in present day and we know what's happening currently um but for him to make that decision then and then constantly kind of being this jovial person like the like the life of the party when he's he's dealing with some deeper shit like uh, i love blair i like my like more now <laughs> I love him so much, especially since the advisors and we learn all about the advisor council and how they're out to get him and that whole situation. Oh, when he was with Kapoor and he was like, are you admitting treason? And everyone's like, oh, damn, we've never seen this side. Mm -hmm. And all the generals are like, we have. It's like, bet, bet, bet. Oh, 
Uh, what do we have? We have Callista. Callista starts off with a vision of Alina in the water. So right away, we know that Callista has a connection with Alina. Alina, who, whose chapter has not come up yet. Alina is Coda's soulmate. Yeah. That is that is what it is. And Alina has had a shitty life. But Callista um, is frustrated because she's still in love with Coda. And she hate fucks Twill and calls out Coda's name. Oh, did you not feel like, oh, so bad for her in that moment? You're just like, oh, my God. Yeah. And oh. then he was like, I mean, fair. Twill's reaction. Everybody's reaction was like, oh, fair. And he was like, don't fucking talk to me. Yeah. Don't yeah. touch me. Get off of me. And she was like, oh, I, I definitely fucked up. And she also showed her hand like she fucked up like two, like she she did it in two ways. She's like, oh, that wasn't so great. And crap. Now it's like all my like me trying to be so dismissive when we're all in the room together, trying to be professional like that's out the window, especially when you got Twill. She admittedly said he runs his mouth. Yeah. Yeah. And he's hot. And he's got power and he's got like wind power. Oh, he has the elemental powers or it's like wind and fire and like, sto- oh, it was good. It was hot. It was yep. hot till it wasn't. But- yep. uh, and then he, his predatory for his predatory form needs lifeblood to like sustain itself and be strong. So he has like fangs and you know, all this stuff, all this stuff. She hate fucks him. So a lot. And everybody knows it. Everybody knows it. Um, the next chapter, these are just our intros and then we'll just like really bang on from here. Uh, we get our intro of Lux and from Lux's chapter, we meet Trixton and Ginger and the Kitanes. That's how I'm going to say it. That's what I'm sticking with. Uh, the <laughs> like cat shifters. Yeah. Um, Jess, I know you have feelings for Lux. I, okay. And I, I loved his chapters. I don't know how that setup was so maybe i'm about to do the hot take um i could have i loved him so much that i could have done without his chapters in this book just for to have a full novella with lux all lux all the time that's that's my and i loved him i loved his relationship with ginger i love (laughs) it's another shifter that i didn't see coming like that's Deanna's thing. So, and I love it. I love it for us. Uh, it was, you know, Ginger was their family house cat that just kept coming. You know, the girl, his family, his daughters brought home. And then he was like, yeah, it warmed on me too, because I wouldn't catch it if it comes in. And then you find out that it's kind of his uh, companion in a way. And maybe like a, a a vengeance companion throughout this book you can say because uh ginger as her in her cat shifter form um it was just kind of the family cat and we learn that lux's family was murdered his two daughters just and his wife and they say like he you know like a lot of stories he's putting a lot of the blame on himself he feels responsible and now he's out for blood he's out for vengeance he wants um it was very gerard butler uh in law-abiding citizen he's like and we're gonna fucking make him pay and it doesn't matter and ginger was there with him too and understands that love because this was also the closest thing to a family that she had um in the chosen family concept that she got to choose these people who love who she loved and loved her unknowing of who she was and of her background. 
And they have been on the road hunting Lux's family's killers for eight months at this point. And Trixton is Ginger's father. And she is rebelling by being there. It's a whole like dynamic situation. And the deal that is struck is Lux will find a girl that Trixton is looking for. The twist being that that girl is um, Faelene's sister. Betrayals ensue later, but we will get there. I agree with you. I agree with you. Um, Strike these chapters, all of Lux's chapters from this book, put them in a novella so that I can love on them the way that they need to be loved on, and also so that I can focus a little bit more on the like plot plot story here because I know all of this will connect, but my brain is really mushy. No, I'm with you there. Yeah. yeah. But I love it. But I do like, again, I, lo- I love, like, I just want to like a hyper focus. Like if I reread <laughs> this book, I would reread it without reading the Lux chapters and me and then go back and reread Lux chapters as one because I do like I love his dynamic again and we'll get into it too I love his dynamic with Ginger I love her dynamic with him I like that they kind of call each other like hold themselves accountable um there's a line where she kind of like she's like you don't realize how powerful I am and shows her like in her cutane form and he's like she's like basically choking him against the wall like and he says he's like Oh, my dick is twitching. This is, this is great. And he's like, Oh, and it, it twice or it did it again or something. And all I could think of was the Taylor Swift lyric of like, boys only want love when it's torture. (laughs) And I I just came back from the Taylor Swift concert. So it's very fresh. Yeah. It was like very like in my Swifty vibes. I love it. I love it. Oh my gosh. Okay. Last intro chapter is Alina. Alina is with uh, Queen Orabella in Waylon, and she has to keep tabs on Princess Tavia, Octavia. And they really end up in the library. They have a kind of strange dynamic. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I know that Alina, she says like she was trying to act like, um, I don't remember the exact verbiage, but she goes like, she basically tried to act like she was a dumb bodyguard of sorts, personal guard, like no thoughts, just air in her mind. And then Princess Tavia walked in on her studying and like, trying to understand maps because obviously Alina has other plans up her sleeves and she needs access to certain things and they've never really talked about it but they kind of there's like this this understanding between the two that Tavia and Alina are going to oh come to the library with me oh I need your help with doing this um under this guise that um Alina is more than she leads others to believe but Tavia's on to her about it yeah Tavia's like hey turn out your pockets turn out your pockets what are, you, what, are you, what are we doing here what are we doing here because Alina is stealing crystals and selling them at the vanishing market because she has plans to get out she feels uh, eyes on her she feels the other under her skin kind of crawling she feels that her year of safety in Wayland is coming to an end so she has to get out of there um, but she turns out her pockets for the princess and it's just like crap, basically. And then she goes into like how 
upsetting it is to see waste and how she wants to collect it and how these people never went hungry and all of her like background and her like internal struggle, which she does not voice. And I do feel that this book is kind of difficult to to speak about in, a, in our podcast situation because in a lot of the chapters, characters are having conversations with other characters, but like in between words, they're also having like monumental flashbacks to some traumatic, horrible thing that does affect the plot because it affects their mood. So it's, it's, it is difficult in that way to kind of, um, cover everything, but we're, we're, we're gonna, we're gonna give it our best to see a lot of the internal dialogue here that's consistent with like, um, how like those flashbacks help us understand the characters a little bit more here, but to have like the conversations that we typically have because the actions aren't happening because it's internal dialogue of flashbacks. We have, we have a little timeline here. Uh, three weeks, the, the boat that Jane and Corey are going to be on that whole plot that we know that happened, how, you know, uh, is going to be there in three weeks. So the market's going to be there. There's lots of people. Everything's happening. All that stuff. And also here we have um, Giuseppe, the head tinkerer, with uh, being a character, being here again and inventing things like salt showers and water filtration and just very lovely tinkery things. Okay. Those are our five POVs. Out of all of them, I say Alina has the like smallest POV, right? I, I like her chapters yeah. are small. Um, I think Callista and Kiera, and I think those two have the biggest chapters. Um, I have lots of paper with me. <laughs> Kiera, okay, let, let's let's just go through this. Kiera, Kiera is in the palace. She's cleaning. She hates it. She hates the siblings. Um, she hates Oliver. Balthazar has put her in royal service. She's been there for three weeks. She's trying to get her mission together. It's just, it's just not working. Uh, she's trying to figure out like what's going on with the siblings. Like she's, she's essentially casing the place and trying yeah. to find a mark and trying to figure out how she can accomplish fucking something because she's bored as hell. And this boredom leads her to want to steal uh, Kieran's journal and also to fucking mouth off to Gemma right away and be like, Hey, is this, what is this about the stable boy? Stable boy wants to talk to you. All of well, that. She, she says it because she knows the stable boy is hooking up with her brother too. So yep. she's like, let me just, you know what? I don't have any drama in my life. How about I make some drama? And she does in front of both of them. Yeah. And, and then she's like, what, what are you talking about? She's like the trip, the trip you're going on. And Karen's like, what trip? She's like the trip. And it's, it's very fun how like quickly Gemma and Kiara are like, oh, 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 okay. 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 And right after, right after that, uh, Gemma kind of takes Kiara because she sees doorknobs, doorknobs moving, things are jingling. And she takes her into the back room and Gemma and Kiara have like a very little intimate moment of breasts pushing on each other and breaths mingling, all of that. But more importantly, they overhear Corey and Balthazar plotting Corey, not insane, and Balthazar giving her blister berries and him saying that take one in the morning, one at night, and then come to me and I'll give you the antidote. It's like, what? 
this just, I mean, not that we didn't know it at the end of Shadows and Lies, but it just continuously hammered in the fact of how Balthazar has his hands in everything. And he is the marionette and orchestrating all of these things because he's doing that with Corey because, and we know that they have a relationship at the end. Again, this is like at the end of Shadows and Lies, but how long he's been involved, like has inserted himself in these lies. So then when you have later in the book, where there's the confrontation and Calista's like, what's up, Shadow King? Because he's like, oh, so you're on to me. You know that even though um, Jane's dad is the king by title, I'm the one who's running the place. It's like, mm, mm-mm, love it, love it. And also, Corey is saying here, like, he knows, he knows, he's suspicious. And Balthazar is saying, like, there is no way that he knows. So it's up to us to, like, infer what this plot could possibly be. Uh, I didn't do that. I continued on. Um, but. I imagine this has something to do with the boat plot or the madness that Corey is faking here. But if he's dosing her with blister berries and then not giving her the antidote, then that could be what the madness is later. See, I, I took it that the, the, the blister berries didn't start this till now. And I was like, oh, they've been setting up her, her lunacy for so long. Who can say? Not us, only Deanna. Uh, there is, as we said, a lot of backstory and a lot of like flashbacks and memories and a lot of it dealing with curses. Um, so just like interesting little things like Coda is, is one of his, his chapter here is talking about like, oh, hey, you know, it, it would be interesting for us, the reader, to know that um, Elise's brother is Emmett, who's a general. And Emmett is Aiden's half-brother, who's also a general. Aiden, the one that can turn into other people. And Elsie's brother was murdered by Nixus's lover. And Emmett was so upset by that that he went to Curtis and gave Curtis the magic to fuel the, the right that brought Elise back to life. Not realizing... That Curtis, who's like, it's in his, he, he would have given, he would and has done everything in his power to make sure that Elise is constantly reincarnated. Exactly. So then knowing Emmett, knowing that he kind of fucked up, went back to the Queens, told them what happened. And then he was granted like clemency. And now he is uh, in Caldaro, just, you know, living life, being there. That is, that is like backstory that is just dropped in there. And a lot of the chapters are like that. So it kind of forces us to like collect all of the knowledge and then connect it and put it all together at the end. Uh, so let's do that. Um, did you, did you remember that Driata was a badass and would step up and defend Jane and take a beating from her dad? Yeah. That's one yeah. of the things that stood out with me. Like, you really see the behind the scenes. You see it a lot. And I know you read the first book and you're like, fucking Dree, you know? And then in the second book, you realize that she is a baddie. I know Deanna has come on our podcast and probably like when she was first a guest and she was like, Drietta was like 
it and it was before Shadows and Lies had released, and she goes, Driata was hard for her to write, and it wound up being her favorite person to write, and I still feel that way. I feel like it shines here. She's the baddie that we know from book two. You see that, like, you just see it, especially knowing this is only three years uh, earlier, that she really has been the big sister and not letting anybody on to it um, because she does it again. She does it, you know, we know in the flashbacks also where she overhears Jane crying over Liam and she's like, well, let me get Liam, you know, like those little things, those little moments. And and Gemma sees it more here, too. And she talks to, to Callista about it. I'm sorry, Kiara about that. Yeah, and Kiara is there. She's creeping. She's she's humming. She's humming a song that could get her fucking caught. Like, oh my yeah, god! Yeah, she was like, "Oh, I fucked up." Yeah, because Curtis is like, "I know that song," and she's like, "Yo, I don't know the words though. I don't know the words. I just know the tune." Hey, yeah, she can't let him on. She's like, "Oh, if I don't know the words, then he can't. He could be like, oh, she just heard that somewhere.'" But she, we know in this book, she goes, "Only seven fucking people know that song." Yeah, she's like, shit, shit, shit. And it's, um, oh, how lovely she is, the cage bird, when she cries, when she fights, and when she sighs, referring to the three queens. Good stuff. Good stuff. Okay. Callista. Callista is frustrated. She's a general. She's moving through the marketplace, and she is following the Lord of Coin, Brantlin and Kipper. And in doing this, we meet Fergus, the glassmaker, and he he says something very sweet. He says, like, we always carry our broken pieces with us. And I think that's kind of a theme, right? Yeah. Broken pieces, soul pieces, quite literal, um, with us. Very fun. We get, uh, they say the thing. The su- the constellation. Yes, the constellation. The, the hunter sh- in the heart. What is it? Shroon. Shroon. Delial. Yep. Shroondelial translates to the hunter and the heart. Thank you, Deanna, for the translation guide on your uh, socials. Very helpful. The hunter and the heart, the constellation. We love it when they say the thing. They say the thing, that thing, a couple times. Very fun. Very fun. Uh, so Kipper here is, Kipper's the plot. This is plot stuff. Kipper is the one that is like, hey, 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 hey. Uh, you know, like my son, the asshole could like go check on Kiara because we haven't heard from her or like, you know, you could do it too if you really wanted to. But like, you know, is the seawall secure? I don't know. Maybe we should check on that. But hey, wouldn't you like all the curses gone? Isn't that something that you're interested in? Yeah, it's said and he says it in such an ominous way to be like, like, come to the dark side. We have cookies. If you work for us, essentially, and that's essentially what he does. Like, don't you, don't you want to know what life is like if, if the curses weren't even something? If, if you, what life would be like without the curses? And, but we got to keep this conversation only between us. And she's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And she goes, Hey, Blair, this is, this is, this is what your advisors have going on. Cause she's like, uh, I, I don't want to say, She's not a devil agent because her loyalty is with Blair. Yeah. And but she's still like she does. She goes on the mission. She she you know, she wants to figure out what's going on. She does feel that uh, Kipper is playing her. But oh, Blair, yeah. but Blair is like, hey, hey, uh, you, Callista and Coda, my brother, your ex-fiance, are the only two people that are going to go on this trip. The two of you are going to go together and deal with your shit. Goodbye. Go. And they are basically on the horse trip from hell for the rest of the book. 
And this is after the fact that she's hooked up with Twill. And this is after we didn't even talk about this because it's really just glossed over. It's just like one coda chapter um, that after all of that, she goes, oh, I hope he doesn't tell anybody. Twill tells Aiden and they're all like, you know, doing like war general stuff with Blair. And uh, and Aiden's like, hey, so remember that time you called Coda's name out when you were fucking Twill? And Coda's like, oh, my God, you thought of me. Oh, my God, you thought of me. And everyone's like, I'm going to fucking kill you. And so now Blair knows all that. And he's like, oh, that's cute. Y'all still love each other. Bye. And pairs them off together. And and he's like, Coda, don't bring it up. Don't bring it up. Like, don't be an asshole about this. It's it's is he's a good brother. He's a good brother. Blair is so wonderful. He's wonderful. Uh moving on. Alina, I think it's important to say that Alina was raised in an orphanage and her early memories are of Liam. Let's just go ahead and say it. It's Liam. They were little terror kids together. They ran around, they stole, they were very good friends. And he um they were in a sticky spot once and she thought he left her and he came back and got her. But then he did eventually abandon her and steal all of their collected like loot. I just I think it's important just to say that because Alina's background is scattered throughout these chapters in like very little pieces. You don't you just don't learn a lot about her. So I think collected information all at once is a little bit better. Then we are up to a Lux chapter, and it is in this Lux chapter where Ginger is killing this guy Jonas before Jonas can talk and give them any sort of clues. And it is here where Ginger says the line that sits in like Lux's head and like kind of sits in our head as the reader um, because they use it later on. It's like, never underestimate the lengths that I'll go to to protect my family. Uh, That is what Ginger is saying. And in the moment, she's Lux is thinking it refers to like them and like... I did too. Mm-hmm. You were like, oh, oh, this could be something. But she's talking about her sister. Yeah. No. Well, yeah. in hindsight, but reading it, knowing the, the, you know, how involved she was with Lux's family, you were like, oh, they're, they're on the same page here. Yep. They're on the same page here. And, but, and no, even with, you know what I like, even in their conversations that he's like, they were, they were going to get answers because that's always what happens. Everybody's willing to give the answers when something's, you know, and she unalives the guy, Jonas. He's like, she's a, he's about to say something. And she's like, okay, well, why are you going to harp on it now? We can't go back. He's dead, dead. And yeah. So you can, on to the next. Yeah. He, he is dead, dead. And that fight, um, they, they end up fighting there and, like a little bit later, but like still in that situation. And Lux says like, you know what? Maybe you killed them. Maybe you've been here the whole fucking time to like throw me off. Maybe you killed my family and just like die. Fucking die. That is unacceptable bullshit. Oh, this is the, this is the part where she goes, oh, because he goes to, he goes to strangle her. Um, and she goes, next time that you're choking me, it better be because you're either killing me or fucking me. Yep. We love it. Speaking of fucking, Kiara sees Liam and Jane in the garden. And this is, this is like major plot because Liam just can't shut his mouth around Jane. Obviously, he's head over heels in love. We know this always madly. Um, Kiara hears Jane. No, Kiara hears Liam say to Jane, 
I will love you with any face long past when the heart in this chest stops beating. And Kiara's like, shut the fuck up. You're saying every- that that's the whole plot. The- Liam, that's the plot. Why are you, you saying the plot? You told her without telling her and she's not going to know. She's just like, you dumb puppy love boy why why did you why? say and, and and Liam doesn't know okay so we also have to have we also have the background that we know that Liam and Kiara know each other but at this point Liam doesn't know that Kiara's here right because because it is interesting that like people are talking to each other but they're not talking to each other do you know what i mean like yeah. it is it is a very tangled tangled web that we weave here uh i guess we can like Quickly, uh, Callista and Coda. Callista uh, feels ill when the wraiths, I can't say that word very easily, the wraiths attack. Uh, the wraiths have pearlescent boats and they are like warriors and they're fey and they drain magic from like the land and the people. And Callista has a very physical reaction to that. She gets like unspeakably ill and it happened last time. So, Good to know. Good to know. Um, and they are going through the heartwood to go to the ruins. That is their trip, their one, their horse trip from hell. <laughs> Meanwhile, Alina is kidnapped at the market trying to sell the crystals. Good stuff. And oh, that's uh, sorry. No, I was. Gonna, I I just noted. Uh, that, yeah, this is a. Tra- it's a travel chapter. And the, the important thing to note with the crystals that Alina has been kind of pilfering is that these crystals are specific. They are counted. They have inventory, even when they're in the wall. Like they are counted at the beginning of the day. And that, so she's making it a point for the crystals that she has been taking, um, to be in hidden areas. And, uh, wasn't Alina the one she was like, Oh, I'll, f- uh, uh, I'll fuck a security guard, one of the guards of the tunnels so she can get them. And she's kind of found where the unsupervised crystals are. So when they're drilling on one side, another, they're falling out of the, the walls on another. So she's taking those. Um, and that's also you're led to believe when Ta- uh, Tavia wanted to look in her, her bag, crystals were going to be there, but they weren't. We know this. There were only three items. Most people would consider them, uh, you know, not valuable. Um, but this is where Alina is kidnapped by the water sprite because of the loopholes that we know come with magic and words where she was like, you said you were going to give me the money, blah, blah, blah. And he goes, no, we said your life would be changed. There was no speci- like no specifics on how that would be. She assumed it was going to be through coin and gold. Never assume you make an ass out of you and me. Uh, coin and gold, all all of this, this is a good transition because it is found out that um, the Alistars, the Alistairs, have kidnapped Alina. That's at the very end. But um, branching from that, our, our, very, our very fun Callista. Callista has a memory in one of her chapters. Callista is giving this memory to Kiera. Jess, you and I talked earlier. This is like a flashback within a flashback within a chapter. Uh, Callista is talking about how 
Kiera means so much to her. She raised, she was there when Kiera was a baby. She loves Kiera and Coda hates Kiera and everything that uh, she represents. So uh, Kiera comes to Callista and is like, you know, what happened? You know, do you, and Callista's like, do you really want to see like how far all of this extends? So Callista, who has the site, casts this memory and the memory is like way deep. It's way deep. We have Mags, we have Jaren, and we have Arena. Queen Arena, right there. Queen Arena. Mags, we see her later. Um, and they are uh, fleeing from King Ma- uh, King Maveri. They, Arena is giving birth. Mags, her mother, takes the baby and runs. Jaren tries to like fight off everybody. Um Wild shit. So Kiera gets to watch her grandmother run off with her while her mother uh, presumably dies and her grandfather dies. She gets to see that vision. That is wild shit. Yeah, the traumatic birth that was her entering this world. And us knowing at during this flashback, this is how the soul, like Coda's soul fragment came to be. And that fragment fragmentation what happened at the wedding which is happening at the same time the wedding of coda and Callista, where she was in the gold and he saw like everyone saw the soul piece come out of him and uh coda renounced everything and he crawled over the ground and he begged Callista, and she turned away from him and she was like there is someone else who is perfect for you, someone else who will love you and is made for you. I will not stand in the way of fate. An arrogant fucking Coda will stand in the way of fate. And it really bothers me. Uh, It really bothers me. Yeah, it does. Well, and she even said, he tries to be like, you're going to let them dictate how like our lives. And she's like, yeah. And if anything, they do it. Like she even has her own internal dialogue saying, you know what? Like they taunt me. They didn't just tell me that there's another person. They've showed me. I know who it is. This is so awkward because, you know, I think she is a good person and this sucks because now I, there, there is no going back. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Uh, all of this, all of this is happening. There's just a lot that happens. Kira sees that, uh, the servant die and observes the, uh, weird Lunasa death customs that plays you know that comes into play later um but Callista and coda are going through the heartwood they're on their way to the ruins um you know um and they're talking about kipper am i playing into his hands i'm doing all these countermeasures uh you know we'll go check on the higgins we'll check on the seawall we'll go to um eventide and then there's there's just like memories happening here there's a very explicit love confession and the decision that yeah oh we can have a goodbye fuck i respect the hell out of Callista being like "Mm, yeah we can do that yeah okay yeah totally respect it she's like one more time won't hurt her at which point she's having flat not even flashbacks but like current visions ish of alina but then we get a confession and coda's chapter that he drugged her yeah that he drugged her and then he's like what's happening i didn't think i I didn't think this was gonna happen from like me drugging her canteen what am i gonna do 
dude, you fucked up. You're a healer. You know what to do. <laughs> Shut but, up. Then, but then he was like, I can't heal her. And she even wakes up like, you're an idiot. The memory. I have. I just have a note here. The memory that, that one of them is talking about uh, in this chapter is that Torin kills. No. Yes. Torin killed um, Nixus's soul fragment, which was his wife. I think her name was like Jessamine or something. Jessamine is Lux's wife. Okay, so it was something else. Uh, but Torin killed Nick Nixus's soul fragment, which was his wife, and then Torin eventually married Nixus because they were soulmates. That is the memory. And Coda, I Coda's being like, Oh, is that better? The curses are so mean, they take so much from us. Um, but deep, deep love confessions, Coda, my God. I I love when Callista is like, Your love confessions are fucking boring. Try something new. <laughs> I like her. I like her so much. I love her. I love her so much. But you are right. She does have a vision of Alina on the boat. And of course, we know that Alina is shifting. Um, we don't know exactly what she's shifting into, but that is a very classic shifter description of the bones and all of that. All of that. We're up to our next puppet show. We're up to our next part. Um, this is Hache. I hope I'm saying it right. Um, talking about light. And then from light, there is death. Death named Daisy. Uh, death made from the velvet curtain of stars that Hache had. And Daisy wanted to, this is so typical of men. Daisy wanted to impress the woman. So he tried to create life, but he can't really do it. <laughs> so he screwed up and made monsters instead. And because the world needs balance, Hache gave people magic to com to combat the monsters and that is what our puppet show tells us this puppet show is very informative i gotta tell you well it was the puppet show was how we learned out about the curses and the before the prequel too where we were like this doesn't seem like and that's even you know this is like mythology and lore and what's the beginning of this book where they go through where where there's a comment they're like, you can't, this, this is history. You can't go around history. And they're like, are you sure it was history? This is just a play. This is exaggeration. And they were like, no, this is fact. And they were like, were you there? But did you die? Like, did you see this? And like, but, but we know, even as the reader, we've been saying, no, this is, this is how history is told. I mean, that is traditionally, um, how lore has come to be and how history was spread ahead of books. And of course, we know history is also written by the victors. So, you know, it's interesting to see more of it come out in this book. Um, but we're still, I feel like there's still so many questions. Traditionally, a man sits at the head of the table. Jess, how do you feel about this Gemma and Kiera sexy late night I like when Kiara's like, uh, oh, you're like playing pretend you look like you want to be in a position of power. I love their banter. And, and Gemma's in denial. Gemma is straight up in denial of her attraction to Kiara. And Kiara has always been attracted to her, but she's you know, it's the whole pretend like, oh, I'm just going to use it under a, a, a different guise that it's supposed to um, I have to get something out of it. Like, it's really just to lure her so I could get information. And Kira is just as much in denial that her attraction is real. Um, 
because there are some internal thoughts where she's like, crap, no, my mind can't be drifting to her. Um, but I, I, I love it all. I, it would work on me too, Kira. I would unfold it a lot quicker than Gemma, that's for sure. For sure, for sure. Uh, all of that to say that Gemma wants Kira to travel with them on their procession. Well, I feel like it was the, the, the flirtation. She's like, oh, is your stable boy like gonna put out for you? He should be like tearing your clothes off. And she's like, he doesn't like that. I have to keep my clothes on. And we're like, Kira's like, back the fuck up. What? what? <laughs> you should be worshipped. I was like, yes, she should, Kira. She's like, I'm going to strangle him. No, I'm going to pluck out his eyes. Like, what is wrong with this man? This yeah. stupid and, man. And Gemma's just like, so anyway, do you want to come on this adventure with me? <laughs> yes, so. But it has nothing to do with what you said whatsoever. <laughs> it's, it's, it's kind of sweet. I mean. It's, I, I like it. I like it. And and they know like she's in her one of her like sexy thin nightgowns. It's it's fun. It's fun. Oh, and they're both like she's like oh you know you're you're at the top of the table and she's like, is it because do you do you revel in the thrill that of like position of power that you're above me and Gemma's getting a little brazen too. She's like I don't want to be on top. I was like girl, all right, fun stuff. Uh, okay, let's see. Moving on here, just a little bit uh Gemma does like kind of put Kiara through the ringer though she's like hey do this do this do all this bullshit do all this like busy work or whatever and Kiara's like oh why can't we do anything fun so she goes and she's out at the tree and when she's at the tree that's when she finally uh meets Liam finally and they kind of reminisce and talk about like why it sucks and Jane and everything that's going on but Liam's like why are you here no, but really, why the fuck are you here? And Kara's like, whoa, back up. It's nothing to do. It's I know. I know. I know it. But I'm not going to tell you. But it's not the blood oath. It's not that. He was immediately on the defense because she's like, because she tells him she's like, I have been instructed to kill Balthazar. But he knows in order to kill Balthazar, he needs to be killed. Yeah. So that's where she's like, no, 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 it's not. I'm it's not, not here it's for not you. That. If I wanted to, and that's this is when she went to let him know. If I wanted to, what about that, like, when you were so sweet and soft with Jane in the garden a couple days ago? Like, they have a true brother-sister just kind of, like, giving it to each other back and forth. And like, oh, like, because he does the same thing to her because he overheard her conversations with Gemma where he's like, ooh, voyeurism. <laughs> It's really funny. It is really. I, I've always really liked Liam. I like Liam a lot. We have pits. We have fighting pits. You know, you know, I love like underground fighting pits. So fun. Uh, Lux and Ginger go to the the pits. They want information. They meet Ruse there. Ruse is also Faye. Uh, Ginger has to throw all the fights. She does. She nails it because Ginger's awesome. And through and Ruse escapes, but there's like a whole there's a whole situation going on there. How badass is Ginger where she's it, it just reminds me of like other FMCs that we love getting the information, Aelin fighting, Bryce getting her nails done. Because then she comes to Lux with all this information. He goes, Where the hell did you get that from? He's like, she's like in between punches. 
She was, she was, people were singing and giving her all this information. And he was like, you are like, I worship you. And Ruse says that, you know, you have to get out. There's like somebody there. He has to like stay in the pits. Uh, there is just like a, like a bad, there's a bad, there's a big bad. Um, but he did tell a woman to get Ginger out. And that woman did like kidnap Ginger and Lux has to like go through the burning building to try to find Ginger. It's a whole situation. That person I do believe ends up to be Mags. Is that correct? Yeah. 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 Which is the grandmother of Kiara. Kiara. Yeah. I got there. I got there. We have Alina. Alina has a memory of the, uh, just as you said, the sprite signals. She's in the library. Uh, Giuseppe is there. She's learning about sprite signals. She also cuts her hand on a piece of glass and it heals immediately. So that is a clue to us, the reader, being like, hmm. And then in, I guess, like present, I get not like our present day, but like prequel present day, we have her um, mid-shift and they are injecting something into her and um she is killing people. Yeah, this this chapter kind of made me think because was it was it flashbacks that she was having or was she having hallucinations because she essentially kind of came out of her coma from when the sprite first caught her to then she thought she was in the library to then she was no longer in the library, but the sprites had taken on this form. I feel like that happens a lot in this. Yeah, I think book. she's just on blister berries, so everything okay. was like, oh, a, okay. like a hallucination. Oh, I wrote okay. That's why I was like, is it a hallucination? Yeah, because because there's a lot of that, especially when we get to the temple. It's it's a it's it's a thing. We'll get there. Uh, Liam wakes up Kiara again, and I like that Kiara's like fucking again, again. I'm, <laughs> I'm sleeping. Like, god damn it! Uh, but uh, Liam says like Balthazar wants to see you now. Like he now is the time. Today is the day. Now is the time. This is the place. And, and she like, says like why why now? And he's like you caught princess Gemma's attention all of a sudden and and then you later find you you later you you essentially find out that that Balthazar is like you did you caught her eye a lot quicker than this stable boy who hasn't even like done what he's supposed to do yet and you came he's like color me intrigued is what he did and she's like what yeah, Liam's like, Balthazar likes people that uh, challenge the chastity of princesses. It's It was just a funny line. They also have a reflection on the curses and like on life and death and like cages, uh, basically talking about they are soul fragments. So what happens when they die? You know, who would mourn them? What kind of impact have they lived? Can they really live? Are they their own person? They They do kind of have a little back and forth about that. Uh, and Liam is just like, well, I'm just going to drink. I'm drinking a lot. I'm drinking. I'm drinking. You kind of just I'm having, what does he say? He's like, this. I'm having fun. Yeah, I'm having fun. It is, it is, it is fine. We have another memory of Liam meeting Jane for the first time and, and using his like connection to Blair to call out to him. And Blair goes and gets Liam and brings him back. And that's like kind of why the advisory council doesn't like him. It's like a whole thing going back to Blair. But, but I was going to say, we know this from book two we know this from shadows and lies that this is their connection when when liam doesn't when liam feels like he's losing control 
you have Blair kind of, I, I don't want to say infiltrate his mind, but they have, because we know that they are soul fragments, that they're able to have this connection, um, in communicating with each other. Whereas with Coda and Kiara, um, he doesn't like Kiara. He openly says he hates her. He hates and this is its own conversation that we will we'll bring up later because Laura and I, we talked about it um, before we started recording um, that I, I guess it was like when they were younger and he was like getting off, you know, he was masturbating or something. And Kiara was like mocked him for it. He's like, he put up a wall and never came down since. Yep. I still think she she Callista Callista. She keep up a wall when it comes to Coda because I think shamesturbating is exactly what he was doing. But let me tell you, let me tell you, color me fuck all confused when Callista's chapter here and she wakes up and that is not Coda, that is Twill. Me too. That was part of the one. Okay, so this is why I was like, I know Alina had hallucinations, but is this also a moment where there's hallucinations? Because it's happened a couple times now. There was, but... When you think you're like, wait, she passes out, she wakes up, she thinks it's Coda. It's not Coda, but it looks like Coda. But he, but what was her signal? She uh, Twill says, Cal, run. And she was like, this isn't Coda. Yeah. There's only one person who calls me Cal, and it's Twill. Yep. Um, should mention they're on one horse um, together. They do fight about this. And I was also confused because I was under the impression that Aiden was the only one that could change his shape like this. So if it was a magical ability, it kind of just feeds into my theory that Twill is more than what he seems and could possibly be related to something like death um, because of his power and his control over everything. And also, if he can do this, this ability as well. Yeah. Yeah, like it, it's more than just a, an animal shifter of sorts. Yeah. Because we also know he has the element. We, at the beginning of this book, we know that essentially that Callista's a seer um, and Coda relinquished his power. He, but so, but he's a healer. Not that that does much because he's like, uh, I only have like a couple years under my belt. Um, and we know that. Twill is like wielding elemental powers. So then to have an additional shifter power of sorts, it's like, well, what are you then? Because this is a lot going on for one person. Especially when they say that the wraiths drained all the magic and Blair's parents gave their magic to Blair to kind of control it. And that's why like Blair is one of the most powerful magic wielders. But also Twill is too. It's like the two of them together. It's like Blair and then Twill. They always say that. Anyway, anyway, the advisors, the advisors, Kippur, the advisors, uh, send a bunch of soldiers to kill uh, Callista and, quote, Coda, but Coda is Twill. So a bunch of arrows start raining down and Coda and Twill, who is Twill now, tells Callista to run and Callista actually runs. Yep. She runs once she realizes it's Twill. Yeah, and she, it's important yeah. to note that it hasn't been Twill this whole time. At one point, it really was Coda. It is currently after she wakes up from like her her drugged canteen. Um, she is with Twill. Yes, yes, disguised as Coda. Yeah, disguised that's all. That's Coda. all. That's all important. 
all important. It's not, I mean, I guess it's not, I mean, it doesn't drive the plot more than it just brings the conversation, like a, an argument between the three of them. He's like, you left me. You ran. She's like, tell me to fucking run. She's like, but if I was Coda, you wouldn't have run. And Twill is like, and and Callisto was like, yeah, because Coda doesn't have any fucking powers. He's not a general. He was literally helpless with his little, like, gardening knife. Like, <laughs> I wouldn't have left him. Exactly. Exactly. As we said, Lux and Ginger are in the pits. It's burning down. And Ginger was taken by Mags. Ruse is very upset that... They, Ginger and Lux, let Mags go once Lux realizes that it is a woman because Mags is the organizer of the whole thing, all of it. They don't say, like, of of what exactly. I would imagine some sort of, like, slave, fey trade situation. But they said, like, but Ruse specifically says, she played you. You saw her face. You thought she wasn't complicit because she's a woman and she played you. She knew she orchestrated this whole thing from the beginning. Since you agreed to this, this was always going to be the outcome. Yep. So, and that is, um, Kiera's grandma and Luke and Ginger also out, um, Hill Hillard as Duke Hillard. And that's what starts that whole, whole thing, whole thing. And, um, I, and then this again, I won't risk everything. I won't risk what I've worked for. Ginger yelling this to Lux again, her trying to protect her sister and Ginger kind of steering the investigation this whole time away from uh, the real lead. Yes. Yes. And also, 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 my God, there's so much. Um, Balthazar officially does hire Kiara. That's what happens. Um, a sack goes over her head when after she's done talking to Liam, when Liam says, you don't know me, you don't know me here. And um, Balthazar officially hires Kiara. And then Balthazar and Kiara overhear Corey and Oliver and Corey manipulating the fuck out of Oliver and his mommy issues. So good. So good. Unexpected. And I and also Kiara's like, whoa, that's really unexpected. I was like, yeah, it really is. That oh damn. Like called him out on his shit, right? Yeah. Um, Jess, we're up to the title of the episode. The Hunter and the Heart? No. Oh, I am a potato. <laughs> the, the episode title, not the book title. <laughs> the episode title. Uh, just, just tell us about this scene. Tell us about the potato. Tell us about it all. So it's sweet. Honestly, it comes down to Gemma and um, Gemma and Kira are having a moment, and. Gemma's kind of confessing that she wants more out of life. And um, the quote, I say, I am a potato. That's the that's the audio that we were referring to. But Gemma is basically telling Kira, like, look, I know, like, she's complaining about her life, more or less. You know, my mother died. My father cares for nobody else more than Elise. My siblings, well, you've met them. Like, they have their own shit going on. And she's like, they're not all bad. Not all the time. We're coping as best as we can with what we're given. And she's like, but being, playing dress up and being paraded around, it's the presentation. Like, 
it's just having to cope with it all. We're all so privileged. And she's like, I know what it sounds like. We're just, you know, woe is me, poor little rich girl. And she's, and, and Kira's just kind of like hearing Gemma out. And Gemma goes, but I don't wish to be, per- perhaps that doesn't make us all bad. She went on, but I don't wish to be, I wish to be a potato. And Kira's like, what the hell? Where does this come from? And, and she's, she's even like, okay, but like, what do you mean by you wish you were a potato? And, and Gemma goes, flowers are beautiful and meant to be displayed. Even those coated in thorns, but ultimately they wither and fade and they're forgotten. Potatoes are sturdy, but when they are gone, they're remembered as the thing that nourished and made a difference. I would very much like to be one of the seeds that changed the world. That's so good, right? That's, it made me really respect her. And you, it gave a depth to Gemma that you didn't realize was there. Which isn't fair because there, I have so much respect for Kiara, and Kiara wouldn't fall for somebody that wasn't a little that didn't have substance. Well, and she and that comes out in their their conversations that they had because Gemma's like when they're like exchanging little secrets, and she goes, "Why me? I've been fo- I've followed you, I've trailed you. You didn't see me, but I saw you. And the one thing that I couldn't really wrap my head around." was out of all of us, all the siblings, why me? And Kiara says, you know, when you heard, you heard you were aware of your surroundings enough and you hid us, but you stayed long enough not to run and go like, oh, we got to get out of here. You wanted to know what was going on. And that was something that caught my attention. We should also mention that Kiara has her hair done and is wearing gold powder and it's it's a very sweet moment between them really love it and they are on procession we should mention that they are they're on procession now they are on they are traveling and it is now that kiara goes to a bar with liam because they are camped and they can go to a nice like lunasa bar it's it's a whole thing so that that is the setting so they have Kira has this very sweet moment with Gemma. Gemma has to go meet the son and the mother with Balthazar. While they're doing that, Kira and Liam go to the bar where they see Duke Tilby passed out cold. And the little girl comes in and says that they're calling for an assembly. And then we have another memory of um, Faye can't use talismans easily um, because it makes them sick and you can recover over time. And um, Nixus's love... Wait, what does my note say? Uh, Nixus never... Nixus figured out why using talismans made Faye sick, but she never told anybody what happened and no one could figure it out, so... Helpful. Very helpful, Nixis. Very helpful. <laughs> Thanks for that. And, and an, an assembly is when uh, the government lines everybody up and does a test to see, like an iron test, to see if you're fey or not, if there's been a sighting. So that is all That is all happening. That sucks. And uh, Liam takes Kira out of the bar. He's like, we can't fucking be here. We can't fucking be here. And Kira's like, you need to tell me what an assembly is right now. I think I... When I started reading this third book, I forgot 
that there is a breakdown in the fate. Like, I don't remember. And this is just like, I have a terrible memory sometimes. I didn't remember Liam was Faye until this book. I don't know if it was let out, if we knew that and I just forgot. But I remember thinking, wait, he's Faye? Oh, yeah. Liam Liam is Faye because Liam is the one that cast the memory charm on the mother. That The whole Balthazar is like, Ma, that whole, that whole thing. Callista, Callista finally, well, first, Callista finally makes it to um, Nikana, the tree in the pool with the door and the, and the wayward and Laszlo and the inn, all that. Very beautiful. And then she was like, is Coda here? Like, am I actually going to see Coda? Or, and they were like, oh, oh, yeah, he's been waiting for you. Yeah, and Laszlo's like, I'm very distracted. Fern had a litter. We don't know what that is, what that is at the Sage Elk Tavern. Fern, what is that? Um, but the Waywatch is like, hey, Coda's there. Um, uh, they fuck. They fuck. They fuck. Matching tattoos. Uh, they have matching tattoos, which tells me that uh, Callista glamours it so that her tattoo is invisible because... Uh, even Kiara was like, oh, you have tattoos. I've never seen those before in the memory. But here they specifically say that they're like touching their matching tattoos that they got uh, on their wedding day. She glamours a lot of the stuff that have to do with Coda because even Coda says like, I know she still wears my mother's ring. She doesn't. She's never given it back. And every time, every now and then her glamour slips and I can see it, but nobody else can see it. And she's still wearing like the thing that he gave her, I guess, like I'm assuming his mother's ring was like her engagement ring to him. And I think it's worth mentioning that Callista mentions the land sprites here, the new Rin. Uh, they are invisible, invisible hands. And when she is describing the entrance to Nikana and the Sage Elk Tavern and all of this, it's just another Another uh, reminder to us that sprites are real, they exist, they have a language, and they are chaotic. And um, so they, they're like, Twill and Co... No, no, well... well <laughs> Twill shows that they fuck, and then Twill's like, bang, 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 not in the fun way. And he's like, hey, you left me for dead. He finally catches up with them because he was out in the back trying to fight off the the people, like, the the... the the shooters, I don't know what to call him, um, who the advisory had sent after him. And he was like, hey, y'all, was that fun? Great. Good for you. I'm here. You left me for dead. Uh, I bet you the sex wasn't as good as when it's with me. And where am I going to sleep? Yep. Also, fix me. I have an arrow in me. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Oh, and also Coda drugged you. Oh, yeah, this is where this is how she finds out because this is oh, because she's saying, like, how did you do that? I thought you were Coda. Like she was trying to it, it was interesting. He was like, it's no different than what he did to you. And she was like, wait, what? She's like, what? What? And then he's like, yeah, I'm going to stay because also I use my power and I douse the whole like in and village and fucking like gasoline and stuff. And I'm going to fucking light it up if you don't let me stay. And then he creates a one bed trope. <laughs> oh, and then he finger fucks her, right? And makes her stare at Coda while he does it. And is like, hey, let's make this messy. Like, I, I kind of <laughs> like him for it. <laughs> uh, you know, and, and, and Callista's like, I, I am a monster, but I want them both. I want them both. And, and Twill is like, 
Oh, you, I, I like it. She was like, oh, you like that? You like what I do to you? He's like, wait, you're thinking about both of us. You're thinking about both of us. Mm, no. Mm. And he's like, I will not share. I will not share. But I will give Deanna credit. She's always good at giving up. She's like, she's very good at why is she making us choose? She's like, because I'm not. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I love it. I love it. It was good. It was, and then she waits and is sleeping, goes like to get the scent off of her. It was, it was good. It was good. She says that she's a monster. I say, why choose? So, <laughs> exactly. Why choose? Why choose? Why choose? Why choose? Uh, uh, it is revealed to us now that Alina, we said it earlier, but Alina has been taken by uh, the Alistar family. They are the rulers of Elsmir. And Alina is to wed Arias, 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 Alistar, the prince. So, good information, good to know. Jess, did you expect, did you expect, no, no. <laughs> did you expect Lex to leave Ginger when it was revealed about her sister and Trixton and all of that, the third Katane, that fight. Did you expect, did you expect Lux to say, you know what? Screw you, Ginger. Give me the fucking name. It made sense to me because he had already been teetering with his like, with where he, he was already teetering and questioning where Ginger's loyalty lied because obviously we know from earlier in the book, he was like, how do I know how you've, haven't been giving me a runaround. And then when it's revealed that it was never that it, that he was like, I don't feel like you're doing this to find my family's um, murderer. You're being self-serving his whole MO this whole time that we know from Lux is that he's running on vengeance and he's running on emotion and that's what's driving him. And he even says in the pit, he was like, you know, what's really cool about not, you know, not having anybody you care or love about. You can't take that away. So like when there's nothing left to lose, you have nothing left to lose in your decisions. And he just kind of felt like this wasn't the first time that he was getting duped over emotionally from Ginger. So it makes sense where he's like, give me the name. Because the only person who's looking out for him, like, looking out for him is himself. Yes. There is absolutely no one. Even though I would argue that, like, Ginger says, like, I'm helping you. Like, I've been helping you. You know, you're trying. It's more. You need to live. You know, you can live. They can be happy. All of that stuff. She would argue that she was helping him. But I agree. Um, When Lux was like, give me the fucking name. I was like, oh, this is business. This is Lux. This is the Lux that we meet in the next books. Yeah, because again, this is three years ahead of the books that were, were we've read. And so now he's been hardened. He, you know, we we can jump ahead a little bit for a second. And, you know, you know that the name is Balthazar because of fucking course it is. It's always yeah. Balthazar. And he's like, he even goes to Balthazar. I don't know why I'm here, but your name was given to me. So let's talk. Yeah. And Balthazar, again, because he's orchestrating everything, it's almost like, oh, that's cute. You think you made the decision to be here. I wanted you to be one of my hitmen, basically, like one of my mercenaries. You do what I say. You don't you you're not your own person. 
You don't get to pick your hits. And he tries to neg- negotiate that, too. I-, I say he. Lux tries to be like, I get final say. You give me a person and I'll tell you yes or no. He- <laughs> Balthazar's like, that's not how this works. It's not how this works. That's not how any of this works. This sex scene between Kara and Gemma works quite well, I would say. I really love uh, the exquisite wonder line. Excellent. And Gemma is upset because Driato was chosen to wed uh, Lady Yisrik's son. But after their sex scene, which was very lovely, uh, we have the confession that Gemma wanted Kiera to come with her on the trip because Curtis whores out his children and she wanted protection if uh, the son was going to rape her that night. Like, that's that's what that was uh, because of the way that like, she sent her out. She's like, if it come back, the timing of it, like Gemma kind of timed it the right way, but she didn't get chosen. She So she was feeling lonely. She has all of these emotions. And then uh, it is after this confession that, that Curtis whores out his children and that, you know, Driata really stepped in for Jane and all of this stuff that Kiara's like, hey, hey, you got a cloak. Give it to me. Is it red? Awesome. It hides the blood. I'm going to murder all these fucking people. Let's go. And I love, I love that. I, I, I love that. I love Kiara. I love that we're just getting more of her and Gemma's relationship, these softer moments and just like the vulnerability that they're sharing there. At least Gemma is. Well, Kiara, Kiara's sharing a little. I do feel like Kiara has like an acts of service uh, kind yeah. of situation because she sense. always wants to prove herself. And she and she says, like, I don't know what I'm trying to prove. I don't know who I'm trying to prove it to. Maybe just to prove that I lived and that I had a life. Uh, and that's reflected later in her dying words. Uh, but all, all good stuff. And, and I like that, you know, one fa- it's gather the guards that you trust. We're going to set a fucking scene. <laughs> like we're going to everybody's making it up. It's Raiders. It's Raiders. It's just one woman. It's just one woman. <laughs> Uh, puppet show, puppet show number three. three. Number three. Uh, we have this is 550 years of the great right of Talus wanting power. Uh, the has and after so after Talus has Talus has gotten the power 550 years of the great right. Very wonderful. He has conquered all of the things. He's conquered beasts. He's conquered all of these things. He has not conquered love. So he sets out to find brides. But during the rite, this is the part where I like had to sit down and like really focus. So like, here's the thing. Talus went out with all of these people to gain power and conquer death, essentially, and kill all of these beasts. And he said, hey, if you give me the head of a beast, you're a noble. If you give me the heart of a beast, I will make you a shield, like my personal guard. And hey, I'm also going to like do experiments and shit and transform myself into like a predatory form. And that angered Daisy Death, who was like, the fuck, dude, that's my old MO. You can't go ahead, like start making things. I make crappy things you can't make crappy things too <laughs> what uh, um but uh death is death is like angry on the side and then we have the story of the brides so the puppet show of course blair is telling us about the three brides we have elise orabella and nixis and the gifts that he gave them let me see if i can remember without looking at my notes the gifts 
Um, Jane's mom got the sword because she is not stubborn, willful. Orabella sighs. She got the crown. And Blair's mom is Nixus, and she got Nixus got a necklace. I had to use a little alliteration there. Ha! <laughs> oh. <laughs> I got it. I got it. Ha <laughs> ha. Fun. Uh, my other note says that because it's a play, it's a puppet show, the music when Orabella took her crown was not hopeful. It was like dreadful music when she uh, left to be with her like guard. Uh, it wasn't hopeful. It was dreadful because they had a bad relationship because first loves aren't always your true loves. That is true. Yes, that is true. That is true. And okay, so Talus, Talus gave them gifts, gifts imbued with his magic. And then those gifts were given to the men. And because those gifts were given to the men, the men were given little bits of power because of them. And Talus wanted it to be that way so that the heirs would all be legitimate and have power and the heirs would fight and drive the women apart. That was his end goal. It's fucked up. Is this also because and now I'm going to go back to the beginning of the book. Remember where they're talking about the generals and the generals don't own anything because the advisors try to say like, oh, generals don't own anything because um, that'll be perceived as warlords in our territory. But really, I feel like that it has something to do with where we are with the curses and giving them something. Or maybe I'm just trying to make a connection out of nothing. No, you're probably right. I told you, I have said, our brains are a little bit mushy. I know mine's a little mushy. Mm-hmm. So if we're if there are connections that we're not making up, just be kind to us, please. Uh, because I'm going to make a connection right now. Uh, we have talked about Lux nice going transition. to Balthazar. We have talked about Lux going to Balthazar and uh, we had tri- uh, Trixton's recommendation and him being hired, all of that stuff. Jess, you uh, recap that beautifully. Lux makes a comment about the glasswork in Balthazar's like office. He's like, oh, that's very elaborate. It looks like Caldarian glasswork, which I am only mentioning because of Fergus, the named glassmaker that Callista interacts with in the beginning of the book. So there's there, there's there, there's there. Um, Kiera, the meeting with Lux and Balthazar is interesting because later on they're talking about Kiera. Kiera in the red cloak has been given the name Raiders. She's killed everybody in the household, but the, the princesses are fine. And Kiera is um, taken. She's in that room with the painted sky. And that guard comes and is like, hey, 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 someone's going to try to take you. Let that happen. Let that happen. You are going to be taken. And Kiera's like, but the princess is right there. Like, I can go to the princess. And the guard's like, yeah, but like, don't you want to be taken? Do you, do you, do you want to have an adventure? Do you want to be taken? And Kiera's like, I kind of do want to have an adventure. I kind of do want to be taken. And we learn here that Kiera's mother was the puppet queen and was the, oh, wait, no. We learn just through another memory that Kiera's mother was like a puppet and she was the queen that never was. And I found that very interesting. And I, that is sticking into my head and I cannot figure out who that is. But didn't we? The queen that never was is her mom who died. Queen Arena. Who's alive. That's what threw me off, okay? Because I thought she was alive. I thought she was alive at the end of book 
two. Well, no, and book one. No, beginning of book two and book. So we know she's alive. So then when we're getting the flashback of the flashback scene of the childbirth, we're led to believe that she's dead. But if she's the queen that never was and she's the queen now, is she considered the queen that never was because she was kind of like behind closed doors for the longest time? Or she wasn't one of the three original queens that were cursed. So she's like a different queen. Oh, that would make more sense. I don't know. I'm just throwing it out there. I'm just throwing it out there. Okay, we need to talk about Coda asking Callista why she has pink hair. But do we really? No. Is that really important to the plot? It's not. She changed it. And Twill's like, it didn't have anything to do with you. The only reason that she changed it was so like, it wasn't just like, oh, look, there goes the girl with the pink hair. Yeah. (laughs) The only, like... And, and Coda, I guess, I guess my problem with Coda is he makes such like big things out of nothing. And then the big things he kind of just like gloss. I don't know. I just have lots of problems with him. Anyway, they finally get to the Sharundalian ruins. And this is where Coda finds out that Callista had them both. And then we get our visions. I guess we're going to call them visions. And, um, this is where. Coda hits Twill with a cylindrical item or a pipe. I just drew like a little picture of a pipe. And then and then chapter 53, um, the Ouroboros, I'm just going to say it, it really confused me. I don't know if the temple is sentient and the temple is a big giant snake devouring itself because I know what an Ouroboros is. And it also like speaks is, is the temple a snake and the snake also is an anthropomorphic anthropomorph no is a conscious talus i just am unsure but he does say i have been both the hunter and i have been the hunter and the heart he and he eats hatred so his purpose and the temple's purpose i guess is to like eat all of the hatred of its occupants I need not search long for their darkness. When I found it, I nearly sighed. They are delightful trespassers, mine for the taking, and I would be their demise. So he's just like, y'all are coming into my shit. You have a bunch of anger. You're mine now. You're mine now. And and they are just using this. They, Coda, Callista, and Twill are using this as a shortcut to get to Eventide to check out the seawall. And this is the only chapter that is in the Ouroboros' point of view. Right. So that's important. Later, probably. In the future. In the future. It must be. Uh, we have another chapter where Alina and Kiera now are together with Arias, Arius. They are together. And it's a whole chapter of like, you know, uh, they're they're together. They're having tantrums. They're underestimating us. They're making cuffs to dampen our magic. We're just two women. They don't know how dangerous we are. So that's 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 all fun stuff. Um, the visions do are are they visions? They're visions. They're visions. Okay, and we only have two of the visions because we don't have Twill's POV. Correct. Right. So Callista's vision is Kiera's death on the battlefield from all angles: the Wraith, Coda, and Kiera's through Kiera's own eyes, and it is from this vision that Callista realizes that she hates Coda. 
and that she and she kills him in the vision and in Coda's vision she threatens to kill him as well. So I think this is a good break from for Callista. She she's like she's done. She need it. Yeah, because I think because it's not it's the vision solidifies it, but his actions time and time again have not met like he's also not listening to her. You know, I think that's also a, an important thing to note because she's like, you don't hear me, even though you could love me, but I, we can't, this can't happen. She's not saying she doesn't love him anymore, but she's saying like what they are and what they were and not just like what they were last week or last month, what they were 75 years ago is it, it cannot be and nothing has changed. And honestly, if you think about it, like when you talk, think about like just relationships in general and where growth is, where has anybody grown in where they were with each other? Like they're both as people. Well, he is Coda is the same person today as he was 75 years ago. And, and, uh, and, and Calissa just kind of like, you know what? Maybe she hasn't done a lot of inner work either, but she's like, she's using Twill as a distraction or she's thinking bigger picture. Like, he's still the same person who's not hearing anybody else out except his own head. Yeah. And even when she tells him over and over and over again, and and her, like, obviously, Callista's like not totally in the right, her actions too, but but it is this vision that really just like does a solid break for her. I'm proud of her for that. Coda's vision, he's got his mom, Callista, and Kiera in cages. Talus is there. Of course, Coda has this, like, he blames Talus for everything, even though, like, Talus didn't have anything to do with the way that things have ricocheted through the generations. That wasn't his intention. That is Curtis's, um, Curtis's consequence ricocheting through everybody else's curses because he fucked with his own curse. Yeah, it all it all comes down to Curtis, really, Mm -hmm. because like, yes, the curses were already there. But because of Curtis's actions is what have kind of. Yeah, like what you were saying, it's ricocheted all the other curses into how it's evolved now. If Curtis never did any of it, but like also where Coda, you could probably like justify coda is like go to the source of the problem like we've talked about in like legendborn um where she's like okay or, or in book two we're like don't don't go to the don't go to the first person go all the way back go all the way to so i feel like maybe that's where coda is coming from like even if you know if this didn't happen it all started with you but also it's just another thing to focus his anger on instead of doing any sort of internal work oh. Absolutely. It's everybody else. Everybody else is the problem. He's so fine and justified in everything that he does. He There's nothing that he does wrong. Yeah. And Talos is like, hey, I wouldn't wish this on anybody. This is your own shit. And he, he, Talos says like, you and I are the same. We both love women who want us to let them go and who want nothing to do with us. He's like, I'll let go of mine. You know, goodbye to your mom. You need to pick now. Pick a woman to choose. Do you want Callista or Kiera? And Callista's like, don't. She's pissed. He hesitated. He hesitated, he hesitated after year again, seventy five years. I'm going to stress it because we have the timeline. Do not pick me. Do not choose me. This is and and also like it's also telling like if it's going to be between me and her, you're picking a part of your and this this is what we talked about earlier. Um, Kiera is a soul fragment. He's actively 
choosing to hate a part of himself. And there's a lot of metaphor there. Don't get me wrong. I know we've we've loosely discussed on it, not just in this episode, but like previous episodes. Um, like learn to love yourself, learn to love the parts that you hate kind of thing. And even though and even when she he hesitated, she's like, fuck you and the horse you rode in on. You're dead to me. How dare you? Like she's she's absolutely. And he's like, oh, I think she's mad at me. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think she's mad. I think she's mad. Uh, we also have cracked aster root. We haven't talked about that a lot. That was a, the smoke that Ruse and the pits was running from. It has what has been injected into Alina's gums. It is fatal to fairies, and it has been brought up a little bit more here. Um, after Coda's like vision, and he like blacks out or whatever. Uh, Callista is is like there. She's awake. She's like, what the fuck is going on? Twill comes running out. His lower half is covered in blood. He's dragging Coda. He's like, tell them you claim me. Tell them you claim me. You have to tell them right now. His like skin is cracking. His eyes are black. There's like all this power rolling off of him. And Callista's like, what the absolute fuck? It's just us here. There's nobody else. But yes, I claim you. I claim you. I claim you. And after all of that, after all of that, uh, Callista, as you said, Jess, unglamors her finger and throws that ring back at Coda. And is like, we are fucking done. Fuck you and die. And she walks off with Twill. Was that very satisfying for you? It was. It was very satisfying for me <laughs> for pers- you, personal I, reasons. I know you did. Personal reasons. I have done something very similar and it was very satisfying. Uh, all right. All right. Where are we? Where are we? Where are we? Uh, Lux, Lux is captured. Lux is captured, um, by Blair and Coda because he was sent by Balthazar to go talk to them because the man that killed his family is being protected by the advisors of Caldaro. Yes. 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 I got it. I got it. Um, and, and Lux wants, uh, the information. He wants, he wants all of this information. Um, and in between all of that, Twill betrays Callista, drugs her, puts her on a boat and takes her to Ellesmere where Kiera and Alina are with Alistair. Right? Yeah, he goes, I wouldn't let her catch her bearings until we get into the ca- into the castle. She's not very fond of Ellesmere. It was Twill. The bastard had betrayed me. Bastard had betrayed me. I was so bummed. I was like, Twill, I was rooting for you. I wasn't at first, but I think you came back around a little bit. And now I'm upset again. But maybe it's just because after the way that Coda was pissing us off, you're just like, ah, come better. on. Yeah. Yeah. Better. Better. We have Blair, Blair, tell, we have Blair finally giving us the backstory on how Sloan, the horse, Jet, yes! got to Jane. It was great. That was so great. And Lux reports to Sloan. I love it. Good stuff. Everybody's working together. And I love that Lux still made it about himself. Instead of like, yeah, like, okay, yeah, Balthazar has his hands in everything. But Lux is like... My number one is me. I'm going to find out one way or the other how to, like, he's still in a way orchestrating his, um, the agreement that him and Balthazar kind of have without Balthazar knowing. 
And that agreement from Balthazar is you can go get go kill the the guy, go kill the the name that they give you with this aster root, with the aster root. And Lux is like, okay, the name is Cassian Dower. And that is Tessa's husband from the books. And Lux kills Cassian in front of Tessa and the children. And that's kind of how that ends. And you're just like, oh, damn. Once you like make those connections, you're like, oh, yes, damn. Okay. Because then you go back to the first two books and he's been at those houses with everybody. Yeah. You're like, oh, fuck. All right. But now this is the end of the book. This is the end of the book. Um, The betrayals. Twill. Um, Kipper wanted the name of Coda's mate to kind of like spur him to take back the throne to kind of like really claim his kingship again. And Calissa's like, you did not. I let it slip fucking one time did you do it he's like i fucking did it i did it i did it i fucked up i'm sorry i'm sorry and then we get alina and alina and alina wakes up and arena alistar is there and she is very nervous she's very upset and arias is there he's like all right the tests work. We can start experimenting now. And again, we have bracelets and cuffs to block magic. We don't know what any of that means. We don't know what any of that means. What we do know is that Alina ends up um, essentially killing Kiera. And in that moment, Coda uh, connects with Kiera and he feels like shame and regret. And he finally understands that she is him and he should have loved her. And he is seeing all of her memories and seeing that she was on the outside of all of his most precious memories. And all she wanted was to be included and loved. And he finally feels like the flaming piece of shit that he is. And he deserves that. Yeah. Uh, Callista does not deserve to me to have to kill her friend like this, but I do love that Kiera wants to die by the blade. Like she's a general. She wants to die by the blade. They say the thing, like ride, you know, to the grave, all that stuff. From the womb to the tomb. Yeah. But Kiera is a soul fragment. Kiera was killed by Alina, who is Coda's soulmate. The curse has fulfilled itself here. It's done. Callista was the one. Like, Callista's the one that, like, you know, nail and coffin, if you want to be literal. But, and she's like, what did I do? What did I do? And she fulfilled the curse is what she did. That's the last line of the prequel. If you don't continue reading, because it's, um, it goes into chapters 9, 10, and then, like, an additional um, 10.5 of Roses in Ruin. If you stop right there, that's the last line. Oh, gods, what have I done? Yes. And it's, whoa, bam. And again, Jess, as you said, there are extra bonus chapters from Ruin and Roses that are POVs of smutty scenes. We love those. And then after those, we have a present day. The present day is Alina. And Alina says, Liam is dead. Balthazar can be killed. She kicks Balthazar. And then he grabs her wrist. And she's like, I guess it's time you and me went over the boundary. Bam, done. 
That's the end of the book. And then we have a very nice, um, very lovely author's note from Deanna telling us about how Liam is dead and how she hopes we understand why and how and how everything kind of fits together now, which I did really appreciate. I also really appreciated the maps and the pronunciation guide because this was a this was a thick book. She was almost 700 pages. Yeah. I mean, I think I love the pronunciation guide. I actually have it up right now. It's really helpful. I mean, anything with um, that you could have things up in front of you. I mean, I know it helped me with my Throne of Glass read when I had the maps up and tracking everything. So when you can have that visual and know where everything is, it's it's good. It adds to the whole experience. Jess, I told you that I had a discussion question. Yes, I'm curious where it's going to go. Well, you have already actually kind of already answered it, but I didn't want to talk about it in the beginning because I knew this was going to be a long episode. Jess, when you think of a prequel, how far back? How far back? I mean, in our fantasy reads that uh, we've been discussing, I'm thinking hundreds of years. Like, that's usually where I'm thinking. I mean... And that's specifically related to the, the the fantasy books that we've covered on the podcast. And I and I mean, even his, like I say, historically, like even if you think of Game of Thrones and the TV show, I haven't watched the series, but I have watched House of the Dragon. And you've given me insight where you're like, this is all before, like way before where we are, quote unquote, present day. Um, so I think that's kind of, again, just like a pre, uh, again, maybe we said it in this episode, it was my assumption and I made an ass out of everybody, including myself, uh, with having that, j- that, just like that preconceived notion of where I was going to be in a prequel. You? What? Well, my follow-up to that would be, what then would you call something that takes place just a little bit before the main like <laughs> chunk still, of your story it's still called a prequel yeah but like but like is there a better word i i think i have to i have to i'd have to sit on that because it is because what it is i mean it is what it's called it is a prequel it's a pre- anything before is a pre <laughs> it's hard you know listeners if you have a word that you think works better please let us know this is just very interesting for all of us uh, let's see. Wrap up discussion. Jess, who's your favorite character? And did you have a favorite scene? Callista, I think. Is Hands my favorite. down, me too. Yeah, Callista's my favorite character. Um, I don't think I, you know what? I don't think I have a favorite scene. I have to sit on it because true to form, it's been a while. I finished this book and we started recording. So I haven't really had time to simmer with anything yet the way you did. Um, with the exception of I am a potato or I wish to be a potato. I wish to be a potato is my favorite scene. My favorite character is Callista. And my second favorite scene would be you can't have both, but I just did. <laughs> I just did. Oh, I, I, maybe we need more fantasy wrecks like that. Or maybe Deanna can write them all because I am here for a uh, fantasy wide choose. Love a fantasy wide choose. Absolutely excellent. Uh, very good. Would recommend. Yeah. You have to read the other two. Good God. Read the other two. That's okay. Quick question before we wrap up. Would you recommend reading it in the order in which the author released these? Or could you see 
reading the prequel first and then seeing going into everything. I could see both ways. I could see yeah. both ways. I could see going I could see going with the prequel first and 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 having like a foundational knowledge and then going through everything else with new eyes. I think that would be really interesting and fun and if someone does that, I would really love to know what they think. Yeah, cuz I think that it could maybe that that would just set somebody up differently than how we went into the third one. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So thanks for joining us for this episode. You can feel free to follow us on Instagram. We're at Akafe Podcast. We're also both on TikTok at Akafe Laura and Akafe Jessica. Thanks for joining and we hope to hear from you all soon. Thanks. Bye. Bye.